Good day, dear listeners. Uh, Steve Prina here with the Management Blueprint podcast. And today's guest here is Jack McGuinness, the founder uh, of Relationship Impact, co-founder of Relationship Impact, a consulting firm focused on helping great leaders build great leadership teams. He is the author of a new book, Building Great Leadership Teams. Sounds very similar, uh, which was which is recently uh, which was recently released on Amazon. So, Jack, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. No, it's great to have you, and I'm very curious about uh, this book and and all uh, the the things that you're going to share with our audience. So, please, let's start with your journey. How did you become a leadership team coach, and you know how, what was the road? that led you here. You told sure. me about the management consulting, your entrepreneurial venture. So, so give us an overview of, of your journey, please. Yeah, so as I'm sure with a lot of your guests, it wasn't a straight line and it wasn't necessarily intentional, um, but it's, you know, it's kind of worked out for the better or the good, I think. So I'm a, I, I graduated in West Point. So I had an a, a immediate experience being a leader, 22 years old, of uh, a bunch of infantry troops with the 10th Mountain Division, which was an amazing experience. <laughs> Learned just a tremendous amount about myself, some things I liked, some things I didn't like so much, and and uh, learned from some some uh, non-commissioned officers that were just, you know, really uh, top-notch leaders. And, uh, you know, I learned, I learned how to be a good platoon leader. And there's a lot of lessons I learned from that that have, you know, sort of been foundational in, in my career, no matter whatever turns uh, it took. As far as my entrepreneurial venture, I got fortunate right out of business school. I went to business school right after, right after um, I got out of the army and looking for a job as we all, as we all did. And I got very lucky. It was a guy that was consulting to my brother at Verizon. He was a senior executive at Verizon. And, uh, had worked with him for years and he, the, he was a partner at Deloitte, started his own consulting firm. And I became one of his first employees and was had the fortunate experience of doing two things, learning how to be a management consultant as an engineer with an MBA. So I had and, and some leadership experience as a platoon leader, but I learned, you know, the ins and outs of being a, uh, a good management consultant as well at, a, at an early age from a, from a guy that, that sort of, was a great mentor and a great consultant himself. But I also learned how to build a firm with him and some others from nothing. And that was a very cool experience too. We built a, a very cool uh, management consulting firm that competed with the likes of Deloitte and, and McKinsey sometimes and, and others that uh, you know, we, we often lost to, but we often, you know, we had our, we had our share of wins too. And, and so I learned how to build the infrastructure of a, of a consulting firm, learned how to, you know, manage the financials of a professional service business, which was, you know, a, a challenging endeavor of the fits and starts of growing any firm. And, and so that, that experience at a year early age, I think I was probably 26 or 27 when, when I, when I got, got there and it was, uh, it was just, it was, has been foundational for me for, for sure. What about your next business? You also talked about. Yeah, I, I wound up becoming the chief operating officer at this consulting firm, which as a side note, sold to Accenture a few years ago. I missed out on all that, uh, unfortunately. But I had an itch, uh, sort of an itch to own my own thing and take the principles 
that I had learned in helping other businesses and and build my own. So I, with a couple of passive investors, I bought a contract packaging firm that provided packaging services, mostly club store kind of services for uh, big consumer product companies like Unilever, Hershey, Godiva, among a number of others. And just, you know, another, another crazy learning journey in my, uh, my trajectory. We, it was a family-run company. We, we did a good job in turning it around, some new process, some new technology in place, you know, some built, you know, kind of redefine the infrastructure. And yeah, we, we, we made some amazing headway in turning that organization around. And then unfortunately got our butts kicked in the financial crisis of 2008. We're over leveraged, uh, very cocky, very confident in ourselves. And, uh, and uh, it backfired. We, uh, we got we got hammered pretty well and went and was had the unfortunate experience, although I learned a lot through it, of taking a firm through a bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, just learned so much, though, again, uh, you know, in terms of leadership about yourself, about you, tr how you treat others and an experience like that. And it wasn't always rosy and it didn't always go well. I did sometimes lose my temperature, temper and lost my cool sometimes. But mostly I had, a, I think I had a pretty uh, good experience in, in managing through a very difficult time and taking care of people that worked for me, taking care of creditors, all, all that, that type of thing. So, so Jack, my experience is that I also, my business also went through a very difficult time during a financial crisis where we almost went out of business. and. I never thought that I would actually some some uh, at some point in my career going to be able to make money using that experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, what I have found is that the the story of my trials and tribulations uh, allows me to relate to to my to my clients who are going through similar things or who are about to go through similar things. So, did you find this as well? And what are the biggest takeaways from this experience yeah. that you are able to leverage? Uh, going forward. Yeah. I mean, like you said, to start, you know, I work with the executive teams of small to mid-sized companies and, you know, most of them are trying to figure out how to grow and trying to make it big. And, and so I think, you know, the experience I gained uh, early on in, 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 in building something and then buying a company and turning that around and then struggling, you know, it, it certainly, I have, I have some unique technical expertise and educational expertise, of course, but I also had some um, strong empathetic uh, <laughs> skills uh, because I, I I kind of felt the good and the bad of of being able to uh, you know build and grow something. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Then you establish your next business uh, where you are training uh, leadership uh, and management teams. Why why are leadership teams important? I mean. I've got some clients who think that, hey, I can make all the decisions. You know, I don't really need a leadership team. I need people to execute for me. But it's not like a team of peers. It's more about uh, minions that can uh, run the place for me. Yeah. Is this how you see it, or you have a different perspective? And and you know, if 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 so, why are what is a leadership team important? 
Well, I, I, I think leadership teams are, are critical to, obviously I haven't, this is the hammer I have, right? So um, I, uh, I believe in it strongly. I, I, I think, I think what, what, what we see is that leadership teams are critical to both the health and the productivity of their organizations and the balance that they, a CEO and by default her or his leadership team has to manage is that that productivity and that health balance, right? It's, it's, it's not, it's not easy and it's never perfect, but those leadership teams that are pretty good at it, both managing performance and, and health and the culture of the organizations have a, what we've seen is an ability to accelerate their, their growth and their, uh, you know, their goals, but the opposite is also very true. Those that have, that, that have not done a good job with that balance, hold their organizations back. And the, yeah, there's been this great study in 2015 or 16 by Aon Hewitt on, you know, organizational culture, I guess it was, but, but the, the, the one thing that resonated with me from that study is that everyone's looking at the leaders in the organization, everyone's looking at the leadership team to see how, not so much how nice they are to each other, but how well they're working to hold each other accountable for the best interest of the organization, not just the best interest of any one player. Yep. And, and I think that, that, that's, that one statement is pretty telling in terms of that whole balance of managing health and productivity. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's not just, it's not just lip service. I think I think executive teams, leadership teams are critical and they can either help accelerate or hold an organization back. So Jack, when you, when you say that managing the productivity and the health aspect, is there a tension between the two? I mean, does one negatively impact potentially the other or is it more of a synergistic relationship? Yeah, yeah. The, the the aspiration is a, is for of course for it to be synergistic synergistic, but I, I think yeah, there's definitely tension. There's tension between you know we we got to grow, we got to hit the results, we got to and and look, I've I've run two companies now as a COO and a CEO, and and I get that tension. I feel it right. The the, the challenge is if you don't uh, if you don't create an environment where people want to be that that has a uh it can it can go out it can get out of whack look there's some great examples out there of of really somewhat toxic organizations being very very successful with toxic leadership but i think those are those are uh, anomalies in my in my humble opinion but <laughs> Yeah, haven't no, I haven't done the research, research on it, but I, right. I, that's my that's my opinion. I have heard of organizations that are toxic but still productive. But I, I, my personal experience was that it was never the productivity that impacted the morale negatively. So never, never the high productivity that impacted the morale negatively. In fact, what I found was that when we had a lot of work and we, we were actually productive because we were forced to. We were juggling things. We were stretching. Yeah. The morale was actually pretty high mm. unless 
the team was so overwhelmed that they got burned out. Obviously, they impacted morale, but there was kind of this Goldilocks zone when, when people were in the flow, where the team was, was stretching, but kind of succeeding, yep. achieving. And when the, we had less work, it was also kind of management consulting business that I ran. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. And there was the impact of low morale. People got bored and yeah. then they started, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, doing th- stuff that was not relevant or was uh, getting frustrated about things that really were not a big deal. Right. So I wonder if the tension, uh, how, how that manifests in your, um, in your view. Yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I I think success can mask. I wouldn't say toxic, even toxic necessarily difficult behavior sometimes, and and a firm maybe espousing a set of values, but those values get out of whack because we're, you know, we're just having so much success, everything's going great, so cutting the corners or not necessarily maybe treating each other with with as much respect as we 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 otherwise would or should can get masks sometimes and then and then you have setbacks and all of that stuff becomes a lot more visible and so I, I i sort of i hear what you're saying i i kind of i kind of get i hadn't thought about it like that to be honest with you but i, I get what you're talking about so what are the secrets of building a great relationship leadership team uh, you yeah, talked so- about three relational elements in an earlier conversation so what are these yeah, so so from our perspective, you know, point of view is that leadership teams are critical to the health and productivity of an organization. And we believe that there's two sides of, we refer to it as two sides of the same coin of building uh, a great leadership team. There's structural dynamics at work or structural factors, and there's relational dynamics at work. And both are very important and they have a strong interplay with them, you know, building on our initial conversation about health and productivity, they, they, uh, I think there's a correlation there uh, with the, with the, with that model, you know, and, 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 and structural things are, 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 you know, they can be basic blocking and tackling, like, do we have a set of, do we have a rhythm that we operate under so (laughs) that we're not devolving into tactical stuff and putting out fires all the time but we're all able to some to stay focused at some points on where we're taking the organization as well have we done had thoughtful discussions about what the characteristics of a great leadership team member should be right or are we just taking functional leaders promoting them or sticking them on the team and hoping they perform as great leadership team members. And then there's, you know, do we have a set of, um, you know, people call them norms, operating principles, whatever. But I, I, I sometimes I get my, I look, people look at me, my eye, their eyes glaze over when I say that. But in our experience, having discussions about how we're going to behave together as a team from stupid things like, showing up on time, not talking on the phone, typing while we're, while we're having a discussion to making sure that we're having direct conversations with each other and not petty, stupid conversations outside of the construct of the, of the team. So those, those types of principles are important. Even the, the discussion about what they are is almost as important as actually having them. And so those are structural you know, things. And then the relational dynamics are, uh, are pretty straightforward when you hear them. They're the most hard 
part of building any team, I think. Trust is critical and not so much do we like each other, but trust in uh, each other's capabilities and trust in each other's ability, you know, your ability to depend on your teammates and trust in people's character. Are they, you know, do they have integrity? Do they have honesty? You know, that, th those types of things. And so trust is hard. Trust is easy to say. It's hard to uh, build and it's harder to rebuild, harder to repair. But trust is foundational if you're going to uh, build a team that has the ability to have tough conversations about the most important stuff you're facing. I really didn't care if you have petty conversations about stupid things, but are we able to, you know, refocus when we need to on what's most important, be able to challenge each other, you know, have difference of opinion with each other and do that in a mature, productive way? Because ultimately what we aspire for in every team we work with, and it, it's usually in aspirations because it's hard to get there, is a team that holds each other accountable without just the power accountability in the room or without just the CEO or the president in the room. And um, that's hard to get to. We, we haven't seen a lot of teams like that necessarily, but that's the aspiration. And I say, and, I, and there's strong interplay between, between, you know, relational dynamics and structural foundations, right? If you have bad structure, it can lead to, you know, some bad relational dynamics. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then you try and then you try to put good structure in place and people don't trust it. So so it's hard, it's harder to get to. It makes it makes the environment very heavy. So those yeah. sets of factors are very, very fundamental for, for the work that we do with the the leadership teams we work with. Yeah, it, it reminds me of uh, you know Winston Churchill was involved when the parliament building was rebuilt uh, after the Second World War and uh -huh. He made the comment that we will we build our houses and our houses build us. So basically, you create the structure which then will impact uh, how you show up. I'm going to steal structure. that, Steve. I like that one. I like yeah. that one. <laughs> so, so what you describe, Jack? This uh, I call it peer accountability, where it's yeah. not the boss that is the holding you accountable. Yeah. And it's actually it's easy to not be accountable because it, when it's a bilateral relationship. You can always come up with an excuse, and excuses are really difficult to refute. But yep, then you yep. have a peer group that where people are holding each other accountable. Then all the excuses become meaningless because anyone can come up with an excuse. That's, they pull away, right. and there is just a pure thing: Are you pulling the card? Are you showing up? Are you doing it for the team, or you're letting everyone down? Right. So let me ask you, Jack: How do you achieve that? How do you create that trust? It's, I mean, it's it's easy to say, but but it's, it's, it's hard to do. I mean, is it about the technique? Is it about the philosophy? Is it both? What, what do you do to create the trust or, or what do you advise CEOs sure. to create the trust? Sure. So first, most of the teams we work with are, were, were brought in to repair some, help repair some level of dysfunction. Mm -hmm. At the root of the, the dysfunction is oftentimes a feeling of mistrust. It's not always mistrust necessarily, but it's a feeling of mistrust. Um, we are, we sometimes get to work with new teams that are coming together, and and uh, and and so in either case, uh, while attacked a little bit differently, uh, there's a few things that are very very important. And again, they sound simple, 
and sometimes and some people might even say they sound a little uh flaky but they're not getting to know each other at a couple levels deep of intimacy i guess is a word um and what that means is at a first level it's do i understand where this where my teammates are coming from what how how they see the world and how i see it and what's similarities and differences there because what we see oftentimes is people point to mistrust and it's not really mistrust it's really they do stuff differently or they approach things differently than i do so therefore that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me so they must be doing something wrong and it's not necessarily that thought process and that's a linear but it's kind of what builds up in folks heads yeah and mm -hmm. it, and it, and it and it really does get in the way so see so yeah, and there's you know there's lots of sophisticated and simple ways of attacking how do we get to know each other's strengths and weaknesses and motivations right there's lots of uh, psychometric instruments that you can use there's some simple dialogue that we we try to force that you know is based on the sort of the theory behind those psychometric instruments but really using them in a in a, in a as a, as a vehicle for people to get to know each other a little bit better is really important i think i think it's foundational and the other thing is spending time with folks um outs and i'm not talking about just going out to drinks and all that kind of stuff i i, I those team building kind of things are fine but i'm 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 really talking about getting to know people in how they work and how they approach what they you know what their part of the world is in the organization i think is is really important so spending time as teammates individually and collectively is important and i, I often get pushback i'm like well how do you do it look just schedule go, go ask you know and go sit down and you, you don't really have to like the other person and or like their approach and but you, you really do need it's part of your job to find out yeah it, it definitely is so, so, I, so I think trust is really important and that and that's those are some sort of tactics to get to the root of of trust for sure i mean i i agree with you with my, my experience is really important for people that spend time each other and during the pandemic when everything was virtual i think we have eroded some of the trust as by virtue of just physically not being together yeah and i i recommend to my clients and i'm pushing for in-person meetings first of all secondly i encourage them to perhaps fly in many of them are geographically dispersed you know mm -hmm. flying the night before and have dinner together use this quarterly meeting to make sure that you spend some quality time outside of the uh, mm -hmm. the meeting room together to build that camaraderie and and that trust now now jack you you talk about in your book i've not read your book but i read your some some part of it that you posted on your website you talk about um the importance of a good composition for the leadership team so what, yeah, what does yeah. that look like how do you yeah. uh, intentionally compose a leadership team so i, I think there's a there's this sense that for a lot of the ceos that we work with that just bringing together a group of experienced technicians in their worlds chief marketing officer chief financial officer head of sales whatever that have good experience good performance track record that are the functional lead for a particular a business unit lead for a particular area just bringing those experience and talented people together is 
good enough. And I dispute that heavily. I do think that, you know, technicians are critical. You have to be good at your job. There has to be, you know, capability of why you're the CFO. However, I think there's also some intangible things that are very important. First of all, as you rise the ranks in any organization, small one to a big one, the level of complexity increases and your ability to be able to manage complexity, make complex assignments, tasks, issues, and simplify them for those around you. That, I, I think that's a fundamental, I, you know, I know you as a management consultant would agree that like I, I, I tell any of the consultants that work for me, like that's a number one, you gotta be able to do that, right? But as a leader, I think that's huge. I think the other thing that's really important and again, it, it is somewhat intangible is the, the innate ability to have foresight, to not just think about today's issues and to be able to think about what's happening in my part of the world, the organization as a, as a whole, and what potential, you know, environmental things are, are, are coming that could have an impact. And what, what am I think, what, what are some of my thoughts on how to attack those things? And it's, it's not so much like a strategic planning discussion. It's a, it's an, it's ability to think like that and help the team that you manage think like that as well. And so I think that's, that's another critical thing. I think the other one that's, that's, that we've touched on a few times here that not, not as directly as this, but is, is the ability to have a greater good insight, insight or, or a greater good mindset on now I'm on a leadership team. And I think this is one of the most fundamental parts of the characteristics of a good leadership team member is being able to have a greater good mindset that it's sometimes I have to put my functional role second to what's best for the organization. Again, I, I know that's hard. It, it is, it's challenging, but those, those three things together are really critical. And I don't think we, I don't think people tend to spend enough time thinking about what is, because look, not everyone has those capabilities to start out, but if we, if we have a sense of what needs to be developed in someone and the expectations are there for, for, for folks to develop those, those capabilities, I think it's, you know, it's, it's absolutely critical. Those characteristics, I think, are really, really important. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sam Walton said that when they asked him what's the secret of success, and he said, high expectations. Mm. So I agree with you, the setting the expectation. And, and it is, it is challenging for people to say, okay, this is going to be our number one team. It's going to be the leadership team. And whatever we decide here, you then gonna have to sell to your team on behalf of the leadership because you represent the company and we are working for the greater good of the business. And uh, it's easy to be a, a leader in your own team when everyone is following you. Mm -hmm. And what you, what you think is right is being followed. It's much harder in a leadership yeah. team than just one of five perhaps. And you may not get your way and the ultimate decision may not be your idea. And your job is just to, uh, to voice your concerns and engage in the discussion and ultimately to support whatever decision is made maybe by the CEO 
and then then to sell it and to represent that it's a really tough uh really tough thing it, so, it's not it's it, people are it, human beings get in their own way and that's one way we see a lot for that's sure. that's a great great growth opportunity for most uh, team members i think it is sure. So what is the role of the CEO? Is this uh, is the CEO just one of the five or four or six or however many? Or do they have a specific role to play in creating the leadership team? Sure. So so when we start, my partner Bill and I started this thing um, in 2009, our viewpoint was, you know, that the it was a little bit immature, I guess. <laughs> we we kind of thought that the, the, the executive team, the CEO is just just like almost just like any other team member I, and that, and what we've been proven wrong and wrong and wrong over and over again on that so we don't we don't buy that uh, the ceo plays a strong role and 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 their job is to really set up the construct of how they want the team to operate with the other players the input of other folks is really important but i think there's a couple really critical roles that they play in terms of building the dynamics for the team. The first is to set the expectations that they want a team. And, and what does that mean? A lot of the teams we see, I was, I was in the army, so we, we had staff teams, right? And staff, like a lot, a lot of CEOs set up their teams as if they're staff teams and they are the ones that are the arbiters of all they'll listen to everything and they'll make make a call on it and 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 whoever kind of helped win the argument will staff them up for discussions with the board or whatever you know and i just think the days of that with the uh the 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 amount of information that's at at people's disposal today the the complexity with the with which even a small organization has to manage itself is just too much for any one person to be able to deal with. So, so I think setting up and saying, I do want a team, right? And so what the second thing that has to come from there is what do I need to model if I want a team? A couple of things I need to model are not being the problem solver for everyone's gripes, right? And so when people, we see this all the time is, going to the CEO after a decision has been made and lobbying, lobbying them for why that decision wasn't a good decision. It's, uh, we just say, Hey, I think your, your best job is to put up your hand and say, Hey, look, I appreciate your opinion. First of all, you should have raised it in a room, but next I want you to go talk to the other folks about that. Cause that's what your job is, is to disagree, debate, argue, <laughs> and, you know, and help us, collectively come to to uh to some some decisions so, so also, the, the ceo has to model the behavior that they yeah, are yeah. not solving everyone's problem and then they have to catalyze that everyone else brings their suggestions their issues and then their propose their solutions engage with it yep create this uh, forum which actually solves the problem together rather than the ceo is basically just uh, troubleshooting and because they are maybe the most experienced uh, sometimes it's very gratifying to know all the answers or to right. believe to know all the answers i had recently a case where one of my clients uh, the ceo was doing this uh, he was kind of he had up his sleeves all the answers and and he whenever the issue was raised ah he he just jumped in and uh, jumped to conclusion and and after the meeting i i put him aside and said 
I asked him, listen, do you want this uh, to grow this company? He says, yes. Do you want uh, to impart this team so that they can do it for you? You're not going to be able to do it on your own. Uh, you are already working right. in far too many hours. Yeah, sure. Then, then how are they, they going to learn to make those decisions if you do it for them? Right. And it was a hard message for them to hear, but I felt By like- the way, you don't have all the answers. Like, you just don't. <laughs> like, and, and, yes. and um, yeah, hey, you get to decide. I get that. Like, but uh, I, I think it all goes back to, do you want to have a team or do you want to have a group of people that are, you know, running your staff for you? Mm-hmm. And if you want to have a team, you got, you got to reinforce the behaviors. You got to do a lot more in terms of modeling and coaching than you do in executing. And I, and I, I think that yeah, it's, it's easy for me to say, but it's, I know it was hard for me. It was hard for me as a CEO to do that all the time. It is. It is hard. Basically, you're there to build up your team and to coach them. And that's job number one and uh, to empower them. I always tell my, my clients that you want to grow this company by five times in the next five years. And guess what? You will, each of you will have to become five times more impactful in your job in order to achieve that. Because yep. if you're not doing that, uh, if the leadership team doesn't rise, then there's no room for anyone else to rise. That's you are right. creating a cap over the company. And then, you know, they suddenly realize that, wow, uh, we have to grow. We have to uh, delegate. We have to get out of our comfort zone. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a tough, tough journey. That's right. That's right. Uh, it's, you hit it on the head, in my opinion. <laughs> sure. So, so Jack, uh, I'm very excited about your, your book. So, can you uh, share with our listeners you know, where your book, when your book is going to be available, where to sure. find it, and then how they can contact you if they'd like to learn more about your work and yep. maybe talk to you? Uh, where, where are you uh, available? So a few things. Uh, first, I got my first proof this weekend. So by the time this podcast comes out, there'll be a, 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 a bunch of books. My first book, you've done a bunch of them. So I'm really pretty excited about this whole thing. Uh, so it's, it's uh, the website, the book website, greatleadershipteambook.com. It will be sold on Amazon to, to start. And then my, my website is relationship-impact.com. And of course, either one of those places are good places to contact me if you're interested in um, learning more about the book or getting a copy of the book. Okay. And you're also available on LinkedIn. I am. Yes. Service Connected. Yes. So Jack Jack McGinnis, the co-founder of Relationship Impact and the author of Building Great Leadership Teams coming out uh, in a couple of weeks. By the time this podcast is out, it's going to be out, going to be available on Amazon. So definitely check it out. Jack, thank you very much for joining me today. That's very uh, good uh, and energizing discussion. And for those of you listening, if you enjoyed uh, this podcast, please don't forget to rate and review and uh, you know spread the word uh, to, and stay uh, tuned because next week I'm going to bring another exciting entrepreneur who will share their secrets with, with you. Yeah, they're really interesting interviews. Not so much mine. I'm not suggesting that's the most interesting, but I've, I've listened to a bunch of them and I, I really, I really gotten a lot out of them. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. I'll keep, keep doing that. Thank you. And thank you for all of you. Have a great day.